0: a good position to be in. You know, I think uh, the way Kyler came back to the end of the year um, gave us all a lot of confidence. Uh, The way the offense hit their stride, both running the football, throwing the football, um, and just getting Kyler's health uh, back to a point where he could use his legs, use his arms, do the things that we're accustomed to seeing. So, you know, I think, um, as always, we're going to evaluate every position that comes in the draft, but, you know, knowing that Kyler is where he's at and not only where he's at, but getting better and seeing him work and progress the way he is, I think it's an exciting spot to be in.
1: Monty Fort, the general manager of the Mm. Arizona Cardinals, speaking in Indianapolis uh, yesterday on the question being posed to him there. uh, How does it feel to be one of the teams near the top of the draft that's not in need of a quarterback? Mm. You heard a little bit of a fluctuating answer there on Kyler Murray. A little bit. Kept a window open
2: at the very end, if you ask me.
1: We're going to evaluate all positions Mm -hmm. in the draft. But... Uh, what is continuing what is consistent is the Cardinals uh, X account their social media account for the second straight day posted uh, a Kyler Murray uh, I don't uh, advertisement I guess an endorsement. Two days ago, it was our franchise quarterback with the mm-hmm. graphic of three different photos of, of Kyler Murray. Yesterday, yep. was a painting, a headshot painting of Kyler Murray, and it just says right. the one and only, period. Yeah. Okay, so let's let's back this up because I, I find this to be fascinating.
2: So let's have a speculative conversation, if you don't mind. All right, so it, it, let's acknowledge that for the Cardinals social media team to put out Kyler Murray as our franchise quarterback just as the NFL combine uh, is beginning and the NFL media world is descending upon Indianapolis and all the talk about the draft is starting to get fired up across this country, the timing is a little bit too conspicuous to ignore. Wouldn't you agree? Mm-hmm. Okay. So the question then becomes, all right, is this, is this something that the team wants to do? Is it something that the team wants Kyler Murray to see and feel going into the week of the combine? And if so, why? Why now? Would it be tied to the fact that reports that the Cardinals had done extensive research on Bo Nix out of Oregon, who may or may not be there at 27 when the Cardinals have their second pick. My guess is no. I don't think he will be either. Exactly. But, But by way of example, I'm just saying it's theoretically possible. So the question becomes then, did the cardinals say to themselves, okay, this this is going to this, this is exactly the kind of thing we don't want Kyler Murray to hear and so let's shut it down right now. That's option A. Maybe option B is they know that more stuff. What if there are trade offers for Kyler Murray? What if Monty Austin Fort is answering that phone call? Well, this is a good way of getting in front of that too. If Kyler Murray rumors crop up this week, right? Mm-hmm. Or it's just very simply the Cardinals are, are doubling down on let's love this guy up as much as possible. So it, the timing of it, you can't ignore. Or, or I guess the other option is um, a social media department that just is running independently from the football ops. And I don't think that's going to be the case with Kyler Murray. I mean, every NFL team, every sports team has has a social media team and somebody who gets a little loose, right? And they kind of re- reel them back. We've some all of those, seen them some Sometimes teams are right here in town. Sometimes, sometimes
1: they lose thirteen in a row. And you don't, right, right. That's right. I'm not
2: saying
0: any specific teams.
2: but so. But I think in the case of Kyler Murray, I think I don't think anything is going to get out week of combine without it getting some level of
1: clearance. Maybe yes, no. Maybe so. What do I, you think? I, that is completely. Uh, I speculate on it because I have no idea the inner workings of that. I could. I couldn't imagine a social media team just being empowered to operate independently. Hey, do it. Do what you want. Yeah. Hey, make this just Kyler don't embarrass us. Week, Right. Which is basic. Jared just pointed out in another post right. from yesterday. All things K one all week long. Right. Again, but okay, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. It's off season content, but the timing is. The timing is a little odd. Very odd. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And so so it, it and then when you think now, and, and again, you listen to Manny Asin for a talk and the question that he was answering there was, how does it feel, as you pointed out, how does it feel to not have to be looking or to have a franchise quarterback? And that little, little, little window open at the end, that's very, very exciting that he continues to play well. And we're going to continue to evaluate every position mm-hmm. in the draft. It, it does remain. And again, this is just a speculative conversation, um, it, it, but but it does. It does remain a fact. That most regimes want to select their own quarterback. That's the ride or die position in the sport. So you've got to, you've got to, either you're really all in on the guy, or you got one eye looking out that way at the same time.
1: Which I think the smart teams always operate that way. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Here was Jonathan Gannon speaking yesterday in Indianapolis on the next step in Kyler's
3: growth. Just reps time on task with him you know I know he can do it all but I think just his comfort level of operating at a really high level which he showed obviously during the year that he can do but uh, I don't think you've seen his best ball either and uh, I'm very confident in that because he's a guy that attacks getting better every day and um, you know it's a new system for him he's you know it's new for him and playing the quarterback position it's one thing to be a a corner playing in a new system. It's another thing to be a quarterback playing in a new system. So um, I thought he handled it extremely well, and I think sky's the limit for the guy.
1: And a lot of that has to do with the health. I mean, last Mm. year at this time, Kyler Murray was not concerned about football. He was concerned about rehabbing a knee injury and had had just recently undergone knee surgery. Yeah, Uh, Here was Jonathan Gannon on Kyler's health for an offseason?
3: Awesome. It'll be good for him. I know he's excited to go through OTAs, training camp, you know, preseason. But, man, he's in there every day. But I think that, you know, I think you saw late in the year kind of where we evolved to. And, um, you know, we'll pick up where we left off and then continue to expand for him, what he's comfortable with. And, as always, I thought Drew did a good job. Whoever we got in the fold, make sure that we're highlighting their skills sets and uh, but the, the the game will go through one and then you know you yeah. know that's 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 a strong statement right there the mm-hmm. game will go through
2: one mm-hmm. Now maybe they're going to give number one to the replacement. No, I'm just joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm kidding. You know, listen, and that—that's the thing. You, you listen to Jonathan Gannon and Jonathan Gannon of Kyler Murray. It's—it's it's almost. I. It's—it's it's been so deep. It struck people as I won't say odd, but think of that famous anecdote when Gamble was asking JG about Kyler and and and. Jonathan Gannon started to laugh when I love this guy. And Gabe was like, oh, you love me? And, no. Who do no, you love? Who you love? <laughs> <laughs> and, and he was talking about Kyler. No, no, I love Kyler. Yeah. And it was like, oh, I'm uh, you're not used to a head coach talking that, you know,
1: Andy Taylor. Look, I've gooberish been about. A,
2: effusive. Effusive, yeah.
1: I've been duped before in my life. I'll be duped again in my life. What the Cardinals are saying about Kyler Murray, I believe 100%. But the question then becomes, should they feel that way? We had Kurt Warner on yesterday, and Kurt Warner evaluates quarterbacks, and he breaks it down, and he's very honest in his assessment, and he used the words, he's not there for me yet as a franchise guy. So he did. Is, right? it, is it wise if the Cardinals truly believe this? Mm-hmm. And we've heard it from Michael Bidwell on down, to Monty Austin to Jonathan Gannon, to Drew Petsing, to anybody who has a microphone in front of their face will say this about Kyler Murray. But if Kurt Warner's assessment is correct, how wise is it to put all your eggs in that basket? Great question. Yeah. That's what uh, (laughs) remains to be seen at this point. Coming up next, we saw the debut of a new member of the Diamondbacks pitching staff, and it didn't go so well in his Cactus League debut. We'll get into that and more next here on Bickley and Murata Mornings on this Wednesday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Gamble, Monty Fort, and Jonathan Gadden remain committed to building around Tyler Murray. What areas need to be prioritized in this pivotal offseason? We'll discuss on today's Burns and Gamble show, 2-6 on Arizona Sports. Even though it worked out in the NLCS when we beat the Phillies using a bullpen, we might have been an arm short. He went out and addressed that. I am ready to manage this team wholeheartedly. I'm still getting to know him. It's super exciting, and we got we got three weeks to go uh, before things kick off. But we're we're going to be race ready. That is Tori Lovello, manager of the Diamondbacks, sitting down with Wolf and Luke yesterday out at Salt River Fields, talking about some of the new acquisitions. By the way, uh, a rare a rare occurrence on Bickley and Murata mornings tomorrow. Broadcasting yeah. outside the ak Community Studios, right, right out at Salt River Fields. And now I am holding you, Ferret, personally responsible for the space heater. You
2: are personally— I was told— You are personally—not res- to go full-on diva here, but you are personally responsible. I'm not going to even be there, so you can't that's hold me personally, my, that's personally responsible I, I, for anything. Right.
1: That's, see, that's what I'm afraid of, Vinny. I was told that there was would be heaters for you guys All right. But bring a coat and a hoodie in just in case. It's not going to be that cold. It's not that cold anymore anyway. That's a good point. That is good. But but you you try sitting at a table and yapping about sports
2: at 6 a.m. in the darkness. Yeah, and and it's going to be like
4: five hours out there. Yeah. Four and a half.
1: And you (laughs) underestimate the fact (laughs) that I'm a total wuss, Jarrett. That is true.
4: (laughs) I mean, I have a couple of spare space heaters at my house if you want to stop by. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> uh, we'll be out there tomorrow, 6 to uh, 10. d yesterday rolled out one of their new acquisitions, Eduardo and, and Tori Lovello basically talking about Eduardo Rodriguez in that answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, they go out and they sign him to the free agent deal. He's going to be slotted in as that number three starter. So the first offering from Eduardo Rodriguez <laughs> yesterday didn't Oy. go so well against <laughs> Texas. No. Uh, Gave up the, the leadoff home run to Marcus Simeon and then ran into some trouble in the second, mm-hmm. didn't record it out in the second inning. Um, but there is very, very little concern
3: from Erod himself. Um, I was strong pitches. Uh, almost right where he wanted. The command was a little off, so. But overall, i feeling good. Velocity uh, was right where he wanted, like, 1992, after 93 sometimes. So overall, everything was good. Just location. That's the one though. that's what we're here in spring training for.
4: What do you take from spring training? I mean, usually, do you just do you worry
3: about results at all, or is it all about No. I mean, I've been training so much time already that I know, like, yeah. I know how it is, you know. Like, there is some yeah. spin that I, I I I've it like, two runs and the whole spin training. There is some that i give it a lot of runs. So, like, for me, it's just more to to working on what I'm working. Like, today was more working on, on my command and all day was off. So, like, that's something that I still need to work on it. But, overall, like, I'm feeling good with all my pitches. So. And velocity was right what he wanted, which was, like, 90 to 93. So, overall, I take the, the good parts out of it. And the good thing is, like, these results over here don't count. So, that's
1: perfect. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, that's another thing I've been duped by in the past. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're not
2: going to be duped again. No. Uh, listen, I'm, we're going to put. It, I'm going to put our foot down on this one right here and now. It's good for a laugh that Erod in his very first outing gets shelled, right? Mm-hmm. Like that. It's good for a laugh only because we have taught, and Many of us have talked glowingly about the potential of this rotation. I don't know how many times we have to learn that these results mean. Stugats. Less than that. They mean nothing. I guarantee you, because you see it every year, I guarantee you there will be some mid-player somewhere across the Cactus League who is hitting 429 by the end of Cactus League, who will get a look by the parent company and the parent club in the first few weeks of Major League Baseball, and he will be hitting 89 by the end of September, or not September, by the end of the first month of the season. (laughs) I guarantee it. You see it every year. Shame on you if you gauge results at all. Now, you can gauge velocity and that kind of stuff, but not results. And so, Eduardo Rodriguez, who's a very accomplished pitcher, he gets shelled. Surely it's not a good look. I'm sure he's a little bit embarrassed It's your debut wearing different Colors, but come on, this, it it is just so nonsensical.
1: Yeah, Wolf and uh, Luke also sat down with Merrill Kelly yesterday on the show on Arizona Sports, and he talked about the addition of Eduardo Rodriguez to the rotation.
5: Yeah, I mean, pitching wins ball games, right? You don't go deep into the playoffs. You don't go deep into a season. Frankly, you don't really go deep into games unless you have really good starting pitching. Um, our job is kind of set the tone and give our team the best chance to win. Um, and if you don't have good starting pitching, um, you know, it's going to be tough. The offense has to strain a little bit more. The bullpen has to be on alert a little bit faster in the game. Um, um, but I like the I like the addition of Eduardo. Obviously, I haven't seen too much of him pitch um, just from the wayside, as obviously we haven't really been in the same league or the same division as him. Um, but obviously, he's been doing it for a little while. Um, and like you said, with the uh, the progression of fought, um, you know, those four guys. I mean, I would take it into battle, and whoever ends up being in the fifth spot, whether it's Tommy Henry or Ryan Nelson or Slade, um, I'm sure that they're going to step in and, and provide some help on the on the fifth spot. But um, you know. I'm as confident as ever as our rotation. I would put up, I would put us up against you know most everybody in in the league. To be honest with you,
1: yeah, I, I don't know why this struck me during that uh, that soundbite from Merrill Kelly. Was the progression of fought? Doesn't that sound like the subtitle of a Lord of the Rings movie? Yeah, it does. That's Lord good. of the Rings, the, the
2: progression, progression of, of the fought. <laughs> fought. Right, it's like some species deep from the depths of Mordor.
1: Right, uh, beware the fought. I'm Friday. What? I'm Friday punchy on Wednesday. It is Wednesday. It's right? Thursday. It's Wednesday, it's the Wednesday oh, that should right. be a Thursday. Thursday. It's Thursday.
2: <laughs> oh, uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, but I'm looking forward to this live broadcast tomorrow. Um, look, it, it's the Diamondbacks as a as a baseball team. I, I really just implore fans. There's a lot of new fans that jumped on board last year during the playoffs that maybe have never really paid attention to Cactus League baseball. It's folly. That's what it is. It's stretching. It's it's a it's a high priced, glorified
1: warm up, is what it is. Oh, it's yeah. That's but that's one of the things that makes it so cool. I remember going to spring training games when I was a kid, and I was mm-hmm. asking my dad, "I was like, why are the players leaving? <laughs> they got their work. To, why are they, they, they running? Tea time, son. Why are they running on the warning track during the game?
2: Right, it's weird. Right, Wait, isn't that weird? Isn't that weird? <laughs> Yeah, and listen, as a media person, one of the weirdest things is these guys get done and they get out of there so fast that as a reporter, you're up in the press box and you're down. Then you're back up, then you're down because you mm-hmm. got to go down during the game to get a couple of quotes from the dude who just pitched and is heading off to his tea time.
1: Yeah, because you're, <laughs> not, you're not really going to be writing no. on the uh, details of the game. No, yeah. no, no, no. So just,
2: yeah, so new fans, just, just chill with this stuff, the good and the bad
1: my favorite spring training memory ever. I remember going out to, I, was, I don't know, maybe 12, 13. The Brewers used to play at Sun City Stadium. So this is like 83, 84, somewhere in there. And My gear my might be off, but uh, the Brewers were out there and, and we got seats like right next to the Brewers' bullpen, which wasn't closed off at all. Basically you're sitting, we were sitting right next to Raleigh Fingers. Mm-hmm. So Raleigh Fingers decides he's gonna mess with some of the kids. So he takes a ball, and he's like, hey, anybody want this ball? And everybody's like, eh, I want the ball. He's got this huge wad of bubblegum in his mm-hmm. mouth. <laughs> he proceeds to, like, stretch out the bubblegum and then wind it around the baseball. Oh, no. Over and over oh, and over no. again. Oh. And then basically, like, chews off the gum, mm-hmm. and now it's complete. It's completely covered in his spit-filled <laughs> bubblegum. Uh-huh. And he just tosses the ball up. And I went for it. No, <laughs> I had my hand on the ball, but my it was the, the pressure of being crushed. I pulled my hand out. I never. It would have been a unique souvenir, completely unsanitary. Oh yeah, that would never have flown post COVID. You didn't lick your hand, did you? <laughs> to say,
2: that's no, how COVID
4: no. started. No. No. So you got you got the worst of both worlds. You touched the gum yes, ball, but, didn't but get you the didn't ball. get to keep no. it. I didn't get to keep it. No, yes, ma'am.
1: Yeah. that's
2: pretty funny.
1: I didn't want to walk away with like a broken limb, because that would have happened if, I'd, if I would have kept my arm in there. Raleigh fingers. Mm. Screwing with kids.
4: Imagine mm. <laughs> <Smash laughs> that gum all up in that mustache. Oh.
1: <laughs> oh, boy. Ooh. You text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 uh, right now. Coming up next, Sarah Cazell will get us caught up on the big stories of this Wednesday or Wednesday with the Rush Hour reboot. Bickley Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Getting you up to speed on everything happening
4: in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting. Arizona built for America's dreams. Good morning, everybody. Welcome into the Rush Hour Reboot here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Did someone just cough into the microphone? No, and me. Is everyone okay? Please don't die on us yet my mic's not on. We have to get into the Rush oh, Hour Was that you, Ferret? Top stories of the day Alright, maybe I just imagined it Maybe it's just the, the voices in my brain Alright, mm. let's get into the top stories of the day, my friends We do it every single day at this time I'm Sarah Kazell with Dan Bickley. Hey! With Vince Marana
0: Hey, if you're not doing anything later Why don't you join us at 9 o'clock on the 9th green? What happens there? That's a secret of the pros. <laughs> That's fantastic <laughs> I'm, I'm
2: ashamed of myself for not knowing that and Jarrett Carlin. Is your mama a hoe? <laughs> yes. What? <laughs> <laughs>
4: oh, that's fantastic. That was awesome. Yeah, Talking that about was draft, great. pre-draft questioning, getting their backgrounds. All right. Let's start with the Arizona Cardinals. Speaking of the draft and the combine, Jonathan That was Cannon. Des Bryant, by the way, that was asked that question. What? Do really? Did you remember? Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, so, is your mom still a prostitute, Des? <laughs> what? Continue, Sarah. Because that would make him a, a worse football player in theory? Yeah.
1: Well, maybe he's just inquiring.
4: Nope. Does <laughs> <laughs> she have a business
1: card? Yeah. Hey. Weird things do happen in Indianapolis. Get in all this expense money.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
6: <laughs> okay. <laughs>
4: Jonathan Gannon and Mati Austin-Fort are at the Combine. We heard from them in Indianapolis yesterday. Focusing on work, guys. And Gannon shared what he wants to see and hear from the
3: prospects the Cardinals are interested in. If they love ball and if they're team guys, first. So we're getting, uh, it's awesome meeting with them. Um, getting to start to know them as people um, before you really dive into the tape. But uh, really looking for the what I call the price of admission if they fit that. So... We've had a lot of good guys that we've already talked to. We've got a lot more meetings scheduled the next couple of days, so uh, it's a really cool process for us.
4: And in Austin Ford's press conference, he said it is awesome not needing to look for a quarterback, but they will still evaluate all positions for the draft.
0: Yeah, you know, I think it's uh, you know, I think it's a good position to be in. You know, I think uh, the way Kyler came back at the end of the year um, it gave us all a lot of confidence. The, the way the offense hit their stride, both running the football, throwing the football. Um, And just getting Kyler's health uh, back to a point where he could use his legs, use his arms, do the things that we're accustomed to seeing. So, you know, I think, um, as always, we're going to evaluate every position that comes in the draft. But, you know, knowing that Kyler is where he's at and not only where he's at, but getting better and seeing him work and progress the way he is, I think it's an exciting spot to be in.
4: Okay, so if they are indeed evaluating all positions, how would you guys feel about the Cardinals potentially using their 27th pick on a quarterback rather than addressing another need?
2: That would that to me like I said yesterday, that would be the tell that they do want to move off Kyler Murray. That would be the tell that they've got a guy in mind. That they because because that's uh, there're too many needs on this football team where you can get real
1: cavalier with that draft pick. Yeah, I with the way the Cardinals have played the last couple of years, and we can admit a four-win team on an upswing, but still, there's, Bick hit the nail on the head. There's way, way too many gaps in this roster, and even though you're blessed with all these draft picks, picking a quarterback that's not going to be your starter in the first round would not be the right way to go for this organization right now.
4: Yeah, not a wise move. Alright, uh, on that note, Awesome Fort also said they have not gotten a call yet about their number four pick, but he expects that they will when it gets into April a little bit closer than the draft, and you just mentioned all of the needs that the Cardinals uh, have to fill. If they do get a call about that fourth pick, would you rather have the star player they grab at number four or a bundle of draft picks to address even more needs?
2: I'm a big Marvin Harrison Jr. fan. I think this is the, the this is the way to go for the team if they've got uh, accessibility to him. Um, it, it be, again, because as we talked about yesterday, the, the catch Radius with a wide receiver more important to a guy like Kyler Murray not just because of his stature but because he moves around a lot those guys are not plant and deliver the ball right on the money kind of guys um, so I I that's what I do I I run to the podium if I'm the Cardinals if
1: he's there but so that's just me it, I mean it's hypothetical it depends on what that draft hall looks like but mm-hmm. if you could move down a few spots. Um, and still get Roma Dunze or Malik Neighbors and add to your collection of picks, I think that would be very attractive uh, to to Monty Austin Now, I don't know what Austin Fort and the Cardinals' thoughts are on on Marvin Harrison Jr. They might be of the mindset that Bick just described. He's there. We're taking him. There's no questions asked. But um, again, going back to what we saw last year, Will Anderson Jr. was a very, very attractive prospect, and they said, nope. Yeah, it's true. Stockpiled picks, and mm-hmm. we saw how it worked yeah, out. Will, Will Anderson turned out to be quite a player. Yes, he did. Mm-hmm.
4: All right, let's get to men's college basketball. We have ASU U of A Part 2 tonight. In Tucson... This time, it's personal. Less than two weeks ago, uh, February 17th. Very competitive first half, but a dominant second half for Arizona for a 45-point win. Is that all? That was it. (laughs) Just that. We had ASU coach Bobby Hurley on with us yesterday. He shared what he hopes to see from his team tonight in Tempe.
0: I want to see the fire. I want to see the guys fight. I want to play our
1: style at at our very best. I I think when we are disruptive, when we're scrappy... um, Uh, then then we got a chance to to stay in a game, which is about anybody. Uh, We have to avoid uh, poor turnovers. I thought Uh, we we were in the game at Arizona. It was 26-25, and then we got rushed up like three or four times consecutively. We turned the ball over. We shot quickly in a possession, and uh, we went empty. And you just can't afford to do that against a team like Arizona because they will make you pay in transition.
4: Alright, this is ASU's final home game of the season and their final Pac-12 home game. Wow about it.
1: Ah! Senior
2: I night know. on top of all that. That's right.
4: What are your guys' predictions for tonight? Oh,
2: that's a wow. I who knows what to expect from this ASU basketball team. Right? Yep. I, at halftime of that Washington game, I was quite literally shaking my head. And they rallied back Hard to tie back. it, then lose it. Then they have that excellent performance against Washington State, their best win of the year. Yeah, I I I don't know. I I don't know what to expect from them. Because, and I don't know if Bobby Hurley knows. No.
1: And I, I, Arizona is, you can get them on the road. I mean, that's what made the Washington State loss so surprising. That was their first home loss. I, they're just they're just so much stronger, top to bottom, than ASU. And I think ASU would have to play nearly a perfect game uh, to beat them. Because as I say that too, Arizona is gettable on the road this is not their normal road game either their fan right. support that they have yeah, in true. Tempe every single time they play there is they're very comfortable there traditionally so sure. um, I think Arizona wins I think it's a much more competitive game than it was but that's not saying much because it wasn't competitive for, for 30 minutes of that game basically
4: most of the first half it yeah. was yeah. but yeah it, was, it, it definitely changed in the second half all right let's get to the Suns quickly they or I guess I should tell you um, when you can listen to the game that's on our air 98.7 in the Arizona sports app at 8 o'clock tonight or tomorrow are we it's talking about court storming again hey huh? are we talking Said that about that earlier if, if ASU Larson wins that, his leg out. <laughs> if ASU wins oh it would it you would know have what's to be. happening yeah, you yeah, know yeah. what's happening yeah No question. All right, let's get to the Suns. They will play the Rockets tomorrow night at Footprint Center and then again on Saturday. Yesterday, head coach Frank Vogel shared an update on Bradley Beal, said that with his hamstring issue, he's doing quick twitch stuff right now and still doesn't feel very comfortable with a full court sprint. So don't expect him to be available for that game. The Suns have only 24 games left before the playoffs. Sixth in the West, just one game ahead of eighth. What is more important to you? Bradley Beal getting back in the next couple of games so that the big three can continue playing together or having him sit out significantly longer just to be sure that he doesn't re-aggravate that hamstring. Yeah, wow. And potentially drop in the West. Wow. Um, it
2: from uh, th- through the lens of medical ignorance because I have no access to any of the particulars about this injury right and I wouldn't understand it if I did have access to it <laughs> um, I-, I-, I do think there's something to be said for at some point in time you- you've got the Royce O'Neal piece you've got Thaddeus Young who may or may not be a rotation piece I kind of think we all had high expectations at-, at some point in time this team has really got to integrate because w- what is this team's identity What what is the- what is their core what is what are are you getting from them every single night I don't think anybody
1: knows I still have to side with as frustrating as it is allowing Bradley Beal to heal correctly to be comfortable because you know their success potential success in the playoffs boils down to the health of the big three what a heal
4: Bradley Uh, uh, heal
1: yeah it's kind of a request more than a name Bradley heal please please Thank you, Sarah. Thanks, thanks Rush Sarah. Hour Reboot every morning at uh, 7.30. Coming up next, we'll talk some baseball, some D-backs baseball major leagues with one of the best guys to cover the sport. Tim Kirkjian from ESPN joins us next here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Arizona sports, the local sports leader. Hey, it's Luke. After our first trip out to Salt River Fields this season, what's in store for the D-backs in 2024? We get going at 10 a.m. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports. Yeah, we will get our first in-person look at the Diamondbacks tomorrow as we broadcast live from Salt River Fields, uh, starting at 6 a.m. Uh, here to talk some Diamondbacks, Major League Baseball with us. MLB insider from ESPN, Tim Kirkchen. Pleased to have him back on the show as he joins us here on the Arizona Sports Line. Tim, good morning. How are you, fellas? Tim! We are doing well, and a lot of that has to do with uh, this this weird feeling of baseball optimism in Phoenix, Arizona. After that unexpected run last year, what everybody thinks to be is a, is a really shrewd offseason by Mike Hazen and his front office. There's expectations on the D-backs. What did you think of, of their offseason maneuvering to get to this point?
6: Well, I, I love what they did. Jock Peterson's gonna bring them some power from the left side. Uh Eugenio Suarez is gonna bring them power from the right side. He's gonna strike out two hundred times, but he's gonna hit the ball out of the ballpark. He's a demonstrably better defensive player than he was, say, three years ago, and he's one of the best clubhouse guys. That I've ever seen. I'm really surprised that the Mariners moved him. I understood there was a financial component there, but th- that team kind of revolved around him and his energy in the clubhouse, and that's what he's also going to bring to the Diamondbacks. Plus, Eduardo Rodriguez had a good year last year. He's a way above average Major League pitcher. He's the third starter that they really needed behind their front two, so I love what they did. I thought they were a playoff team without those three guys and I think with those three guys um, pretty darn sure they're gonna make the playoffs again this year
2: good news now seeing how uh, how great uh, Merrill Kelly was in the postseason and, and just how ruthless he was in the moment he really stepped up in class. So when you look at that with Zach gallen with Eduardo Rodriguez, with Brandon Fodd, um if you can kind of build on what he showed at the end of last year, what do you think of this rotation, where it might rank, and is it enough to take down those dastardly Dodgers? <laughs> well, Fodd's a big is a
6: big if. Uh, he was great in the postseason, but it was a short time. But the fact that he did that in the postseason really helps. And the fact that Merrill Kelly did it at the biggest time on the biggest stage really helps. So if those four work out, uh, their rotation is, won't be the best in the National League, but it's going to be very formidable, and it's going to be enough to get them to the playoffs, I am certain. As for the Dodgers, I just spent about four different days with the Dodgers in spring training, and that is one of the great traveling shows I've ever seen. (laughs) It it is just a circus every single day, and that might work against them to some degree, but I I think they're going to find a way to figure this out. As you know, fellas, last year they had a great offensive team. They basically – plug their way to 101 wins last year because the Ura went from 280 to four Oh six and they still won a hundred games. <laughs> That's because their offense was so good. And now it is significantly better with Shohei Otani with Teoscar Hernandez. I mean, there's a chance if they go bet Freeman Otani in some form, which they will, uh, they have a chance to have the best one, two, three hitters in one season in baseball history. If everyone exceeds expectations that's how good the dodgers are and the real danger for everyone else in the national league is if they can tread water uh with their starting pitching until kershaw and walker bueller and dustin may and tony gonsolin come back from injuries imagine adding those four guys at some point this summer or after the all-star break or in august Uh, They have a chance to be a great, great team But they are going to open the season I believe with some questions in their starting pitching And that's what we have to keep our eyes on
2: Yeah, Vegas has their over-under on 103 wins Which is just preposterous for a baseball team Going into a regular season And we've seen some circuses in the Cactus League before Uh, The late, great Pedro Gomez and Barry Bonds comes to mind Paint the picture of of what is happening in in Glendale with the Dodgers I'm sure the amount of uh, foreign-based Japanese media is incredible what does it look like? What does it feel like?
6: It feels like nothing I've ever felt before in. Almost 45 years of covering baseball. The first day I walked into the Dodgers was a, a week ago, Tuesday, and there were probably 100 media members in the clubhouse. 100. <laughs> 100. And I went another day, and this is so. This is what we all need to expect. Uh, J.P. Fireheisen, you know, a relief pitcher for the Dodgers. I was waiting for him so I could get him alone to ask him questions for another story I was doing. But that day, he gave up a home run to Shohei Ohtani during live batting practice. So as soon as he walked into the clubhouse, there were like 50 reporters talking to him. He was the star of the day. That's how it works with the Dodgers. Every move Ohtani makes, every move that you know Yamamoto makes, people are chronicling it and Just watching batting practice on a backfield in Glendale, Arizona, and seeing just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people who just want to get a glimpse of Otani in a Dodger uniform, it is truly amazing.
1: Tim Kirkton, ESPN Baseball Insider, our guest here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Going back to the Dodgers, D-backs, and that whole dynamic last year. I mean, the Dodgers ran away with the division in the second half. They win the NL West by 16 games. Then we see the Diamondbacks very easily dispose of them in the NLDS in three games. And it wasn't just the Dodgers. I mean, the Braves slipped up in the playoffs after they won 104 games. The Orioles didn't win a playoff game in the American league. Do you think for teams like the diamondbacks that reside in the divisions with those big money powerhouses, Tim, that the goal should just be to get a wild card spot and then let the chips fall where they may in a best of five?
6: Um, No, I don't. And if that in any way, works for teams, then that defeats the purpose of what we're doing here. Your first job is to win the division and get a bye in the first round. If that bye in the first round is somehow hurting a team, then we're going to have to make an adjustment here. What happened with the Diamondbacks last year is they came in hot, and then, as we all know, with their young, athletic incredibly hungry team. They just took it to the Dodgers. They just said, try to stop us. We're going to run on every opportunity. <laughs> we're going first to third. We're scoring for the second on a single. We're going to steal a base here and we're coming after you. That's how, that's the only way to beat a team that, that wins 16 more games than you did the year before or during the season. You have to go right at them. I think the Dodgers learned from that. And I think people will be prepared that this is what the Diamondbacks do and And you better be ready for it because they're not going to stop doing it.
1: When you look at the Diamondbacks and you talked about the offseason acquisitions that they made, Tim, uh, and and we're all in agreement on those. Is there an area where you look at that roster right now and you see something lacking? Some people, you know, got critical of Mike Hazen for not addressing the bullpen, but it came together at the end of last year and he didn't feel the need. But do you you see a need that uh, has not been addressed yet?
6: Well, I think their starting pitching will be a need if, of course, Brandon fought doesn't pitch the way that he did. Um, then you're going to need, you know, you're going to need a four and a five starter pretty quickly because you're not lasting in today's baseball with three starting pitchers. Even though the Diamondbacks did an awful good job doing it last year with two, uh, for the most part, they're going to need more than that. That's the one concern. I like their bullpen, especially the way that it pitched down the stretch uh-huh. last year and in the postseason. You know, Su- uh, Suwald and. Uh, You know, Ginkle, those guys were great, even though Sewell gave up a really big hit Um, in the postseason. I like their bullpen. Should they have added somebody else? Yes. Is it too late? No. So, uh, And and we know that Mike Hazen is really good at building a team, and I think they'll add one more guy before the season starts.
1: Tim, thanks for the time, as always. Always a pleasure to have you on the show, and hopefully we can do it again real soon. Thanks, Tim. Okay, guys, see you. Thank you, Tim Kirchner, ESPN Baseball Insider our guest on the Arizona Sports Line. Coming up next, Bick's got the uh, second half of the show kicked Fire. off in a big way with the Bickley Blast. Bickley and Murata Mornings live from the Yak Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.